Hello everyone. You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, we provide reliable exosome-related services and products to clients around the world. Our services cover all aspects of exosome isolation and purification, identification, antibody and engineering. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. As a sharing guest, Dr. Hofstadter came to our program today as promised. Let's welcome Dr. Hofstadter with warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Hofstadter? Good evening everyone, good evening Connie. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your invitation, I'm very excited to be here. So, to get started off, just a quick recap of the last program. We learned that exosomes have lipid bilayers composed of glycerides, phospholipids, glycerophospholipids, polyglycerides, and high levels of cholesterol and sphingolipids. Compared with the plasma membrane, the exosome membrane is more rigid, which makes it stable in the external environment. Moreover, we also talked about the role of membrane lipid tissue in the interaction between exosomes and target cells. At the end of the last show, we briefly mentioned a point. Exosomes are not only the intercellular carrier of biologically active lipids, but also an autonomous lipid metabolism entity. Dr. Hofstadter also mentioned that phospholipids and sterols, which are components of exosomal membranes, can be converted into lipids with biological activity by specific enzymes. Dr. Hofstadter, can you share more specific examples of lipids involved in cell metabolism? Of course. The metabolism of phospholipids is the most common. It contains multiple metabolic pathways. One of the pathways describes the hydrolysis of glycerophospholipids by phospholipase A2, releasing free fatty acids such as arachidonic acid, and a lysophospholipid, named LPC. Arachidonic acid can be processed into eicosanoids, which are divided into leukotrienes and prostaglandins. Arachidonic acid will also be converted into another group of oxidized derivatives of leukotrienes, by 5-lipoxygenase. As you know, these substances have different effects on inflammation and angiogenesis. Certain enzymes involved in the above metabolic pathways have been found in exosomes. So then which enzymes in exosomes are involved in lipid metabolism? And what reactions do they participate in? Exosomes contain some of the enzymes involved in the eicosanoid pathway. For example, 3-phospholipase A2 and cyclooxygenase COX are involved in the first step of converting arachidonic acid into prostaglandin PGH2. Another example I can give to you is prostaglandin E synthase that presents in exosomes. The levels of the two prostaglandins PGE2 and 15D PGJ2 detected in rat basophilic leukemia-derived exosomes were similar. Another pathway for arachidonic acid processing, that is, enzymes for leukotriene biosynthesis are also present in exosomes. Okay. I'm just curious. Does 5-lipoxygenase, which converts arachidonic acid into oxidized derivatives of leukotrienes, also exist in exosomes? Actually, no. There is evidence that 5-lipoxygenase is not present in exosomes. Because leukotrienes are not detected 
In arachidonic acids supplied to leukocyte-derived exosomes. But in arachidonic acids supplied to leukocytic cells. What does the special distribution of these enzymes in exosomes mean? Well, this indicates that exosomes are involved in the extracellular metabolism of leukotrienes. Some of these biosynthetic steps are in leukocytic cells and others, let's say, are in endothelial cells to prevent the formation of uncontrolled inflammatory mediators. Moreover, exosomes may also participate in the transcellular metabolism of prostaglandins, through their subgroups. One of the characteristics of exosomal subgroups is that, they can carry various prostaglandin-related enzyme subgroups between cells. I already know that the source cells of exosomes are different. Will this lead to differences in the composition of enzymes involved in lipid metabolism in exosomes from different cells? Definitely. For example, in different exosome-producing cells, the expression levels of enzymes involved in eicosanoid metabolism seem to be different. But this may also depend on which stage of cell proliferation or differentiation the exosomes return to. Because in exosomes derived from reticulocytes, their protein and lipid content vary according to the differentiation stage of the parental cells. In addition to phospholipids, does phospholipase A2 in exosomes participate in any metabolism? Some phospholipase A2 in exosomes can hydrolyze phosphatidic acid into lysophosphatidic acid. The content of phosphatidic acid in exosomes is high. This may be the result of the activation of exosomal phospholipase D by monomeric G protein. Both phosphatidic acid and lysophosphatidic acid are involved in the process of cell mitosis. Among them, lysophosphatidic acid triggers cell proliferation through G-protein-coupled receptors. Subsequently, phosphatidic acid can be hydrolyzed to diglycerides by a phosphatidate phosphatase. Of course, phosphatidate phosphatase also exists in exosomes. It is usually associated with phospholipase D activity, because phosphatidic acid and diglyceride compounds are produced by its activation. Interestingly, Phospholipase D2 is also involved in triggering the release of exosomes from the cell. Then why does phosphatidic acid metabolism go through the two pathways you introduced above? And what difference led to the choice of the path? It, I would say, depends on the lipid composition of exosomes. In fact, phosphatidic acid can also be obtained by transforming diglyceride through diacylglycerol kinase. The functions of the two phospholipid acid pools, derived from phospholipase D activity, and generated by diacylglycerol kinase, appear to be different. In addition, the diglyceride pool, formed by phosphatidate phosphatase or phospholipase C, acting on phosphatidylcholine differs, in its fatty acid content. And it is different from the fatty acid composition of diglyceride produced by the typical phospholipase C hydrolyzing phosphatidylinositol. What does it mean when phospholipase D, a C, and A2 are present in exosomes? This combination of active enzymes, in some way, indicates that exosomes may be involved in the biosynthesis of lysobisphosphatidic acid. For convenience, let's say LBPA for short. It has been shown that both D and A2 subtypes of phospholipases are activated by GTPases of the RAS superfamily in exosomes. 
This activation may occur in the late endosomes of recipient cells, where exogenous exosomes are internalized. Late endosomes, including multivesicular bodies, have acidic pH, which facilitates the activation of GTPase. Phospholipases of D, C, and A2 also need to function at acidic pH. Their activities combine to produce LBPA precursors and complete the biogenesis of LBPA. Okay. Then why plan to synthesize LBPA from exosomes? Where can it function? Well, under acidic conditions, LBPA has the function of helping membrane fusion. Specifically, exosomal phospholipase-mediated LBPA biosynthesis will fuse exogenous exosomes with the limiting membrane of the recipient endosome. Then, this fusion process will trigger the release of substances carried by exosomes from one cells to the cytoplasm of another cells. These substances regulate the key steps of intercellular communication. Among them, phosphatidic acid functions as a second messenger in recipient cells. This fusion can be promoted by diglycerides in exosomes. Because the presence of this lipid reduces the lateral membrane pressure of phospholipids and facilitates the mixing of lipids between membranes. I see. And many studies have suggested that there are many links between LBPA and cholesterol. How do you understand this statement? Yeah, I think there is a functional connection between them. In fact, these two compounds have nothing to do with each other, I mean, in metabolism. However, the accumulation of cholesterol in multivesicular bodies can cause the LBPA level in the same cell to increase. Relevant experiments show that the final step of LBPA biosynthesis occurs in multivesicular bodies. In addition, under the control of Alex, LBPA-containing liposomes can be supplied to multivesicular bodies to regulate the level of cholesterol endosomes. Alex is an LBPA-interacting protein. Involved in the formation of exosomes from the multivesicular body's membrane. As a result, it is not difficult to imagine that LBPA increases the enrichment of cholesterol in exosomes. Great. And since there is a relationship between LBPA and cholesterol that mutually regulates the enrichment state. So, do you believe the balance between cholesterol and LBPA is related to certain diseases? Definitely, yes. The balance between cholesterol and LBPA is critical in lipid pathology, associated with the accumulation of cholesterol into multivesicular bodies, such as neiman pick type C disease. This disease is largely due to the hindrance of the movement of unesterified cholesterol from the endosome or lysosome to the cytoplasmic compartment. Right. It's fair to say that. But in the research process, how do scientists simulate the pathological state of Neiman-Pick-type C disease? Good question. This pathology can be simulated by culturing cells with an amphiphilic aminosterol. In disease cells, the addition of LBPA-rich liposomes can enhance the biogenesis of exosomes. The release of exosomes helps eliminate cholesterol in multivesicular bodies. Do exosomes have some sterile metabolism? Well, I don't think there is a definitive answer to this question. We need further research. But as a unit of lipid metabolism, exosomes have been confirmed to be biologically active lipids, 
derived from phospholipids or fatty acids. Compared with parent cells, exosomes are rich in cholesterol and also contain some cholesterol esters. Cholesterol ester is involved in cell growth and invasion. Although exosomes may produce many of the above-mentioned biologically active lipids, well, I mean, actually the number of biologically active compounds they transport seems to be higher than the biosynthetic capacity of exosomes. This is limited by the number of metabolic precursors it carries. In addition to their lipid biosynthetic properties, exosomes are also considered to be transporters of parental cell lipid mediators to target cells. I see. In summary, the role of lipids in exosome-mediated cell-cell communication is exemplified. For example, it has been observed that exosomes derived from T lymphocytes trigger the accumulation of cholesterol into monocytes via phosphatidylserine receptors. That's all for our content today. Thank you for listening. There will be more interesting knowledge waiting for us in the next program. Next Saturday, we will follow Dr. Hofstadter to learn more about exosomes and their RNA. See you next time. Thank you, I hope we will see you next time.